We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Welcome to the Eurostep Podcast Network NBA Trade Deadline Live Podcast. There's a lot to discuss. Um, my initial tweet about this, I said, you know, we're going to break down some Greg Monroe tape at 1.30 unless something else happens that may be worth discussing. We've had a few things, uh, primarily, I think, for Bucks. Ah, for the Bucks. What actually involved the Bucks? It's Serge Ibaka. There's some other obvious big moves to talk about, too. Joining me to do so, Eurostep co-host Rohan Kadi and the Win in Six crew, Jordan Tresky and Adam McGee. Folks, on a hectic day, how's it going? It, it is hectic indeed. Uh, lots and lots of news coming through. It's hard to keep track of all of the trades that are happening, but uh, it's good. It's it's. I was going to say it's controlled chaos, but that makes zero sense whatsoever. Uh, <laughs> so it's just chaos, but it's enjoyable chaos. How about that? Was there a bigger trade than the books and Serge Ibaka? I, I kind of just you know logged off then because I assumed that was it. You know, trade deadline's over. <laughs> I don't know. I mean, uh, what else happened? Uh, the real the Raptors. The real. Raptors got Thaddeus Young. That's true. Uh, they did the the Bucks PJ Tucker maneuver of trading from a, a bad first to a, a pretty good second rounder um, to get a guy who probably was going to get bought out. Um, I think the real news is going to be can the Bucks actually successfully trade Dante Divincenzo? We've seen them try and fail before. I don't know uh, if it's actually going to work this time. But Jordan, uh, what what are, what is your thoughts on the big move? Yeah, Mike Batiste. That uh, Wizards assistant head coach that got fine. I mean, good lord, it is really popping tonight. Uh, today, I, that flustered. Uh, um, yeah, 
not take a move. Not, it doesn't work the first time when you get traded to the Kings, but it definitely works the second time. Are we sure that they traded the Dante we think as opposed to Dante DiVincenzo? <laughs> did you did, uh, the fact that Woj got Shemi's last name so wrong twice, twice. in a row? I don't twice. think he ever fixed it. He was just like, he didn't. Oh, nobody cares. And Marvin Bagley gonna... got got Junior corrected to the third, and oh. Shemi's just there being like, my whole name, like it's just it's wrong. Okay. Uh, we should probably save the full the, the trade, trade first. Yeah, before the actual trade. Okay. So in this trade, it is a four-team deal involving the Sacramento Kings, Milwaukee Bucks, uh, LA Clippers, and Detroit Pistons. The Sacramento Kings get Dante DiVincenzo, Trey Lyles, and Josh Jackson. The Milwaukee Bucks get Serge Ibaka and two future second-round picks and cash. Uh, Got to remember cash considerations. Uh, the Clippers get Rodney Hood and Semi Ojale, and the Pistons get Marvin Bagley Jr. That's the trade. The real Clippers haul is $30 million in tax savings. And I think, you know, there was a lot of, like, they took on salary in the Norm Powell thing. They're going to be better next year for that. It makes a lot of sense to dump some where you can, even knowing Steve Ballmer is richer than God. Um, but yeah, I think from the Bucks' perspective, I feel like we're all on the same page as another trade breaks as I'm talking. Uh, Ooh, Montrez Harrell to Charlotte. Uh, they needed a center. I heard they were in on Jakob Pertle. I think this is a lot less uh, moving to me than, than that would have been. But uh, we'll see what they had to give up to the Wizards. But I think from the Bucks' perspective, I think we're all fairly pro this trade. Um, moving Dante and, you know, roster float some for two picks, flexibility, and Ibaka, where, you know, I, I tweeted this earlier, tweeted a lot today. We all have. Follow us all on Twitter. It's, it's actually not on the screen, but it usually is. You, you can find us. Um, <laughs> like, is, is the picks and the roster flexibility actually more important than Serge Ibaka in this trade? And, and I, I like Ibaka. I think he's a fine backup big man. But I think it's close to at least 50-50 on priorities of why the Bucks do this because it felt like they were a little hamstrung by having so many guys who just really could not play. And now they have room to try and find some guys who maybe can. I think if it ends up that that's what's more important, that's a real bonus. As is, I think the Bucks have 10 guys right now that you could at least hope will be playable in some, some sort of uh, shape in the playoffs what way they order that and I guess how that changes from series to series is interesting too. I think it's something we'll come to talk about with Ibaka in particular. I think instantly everyone's like, oh yeah, Brooke insurance. Also possibly Bobby, you know, if there's a series where you don't like Bobby and they have to go somewhere different, it may be something that they have in mind that it's just a different look. But that would be a real bonus because I think right now the players they've got are good. <laughs> this is the main thing. I, I don't think they've lost anything here. Like I'm maybe the most down on Dante of anyone and have been from day one. I think you've got um, some competition, at least this season. Uh, in Dante uh, well, it's more everyone came and joined the party. Yeah, It's just, I, I don't think he's very good. And it has been interesting to watch like the immediate reaction around NBA Twitter, where there's a lot of national people who seem to think Dante is something that he just is not. This is the benefit of people not watching the Bucks. Uh, yeah, I guess so. Um but it's proof that people are still, in fact, not watching the books or maybe not watching as closely or also settling into maybe some some older narratives or, or things that were true quite a long time ago, like before this books roster looked anything like it currently does. And that's where I'm at with Dante is Dante came back. He had a little bit of a chance. I think all in all, 
we'd agree he looked like the same Dante DiVincenzo. You know, even when there are brief moments of something good, there is a lot of bad there. And they've frankly upgraded. They got Grayson Allen in. Pat Connaughton is a much different player than he used to be when Dante was a key cog in the starting lineup. And when you look at the balance of the roster, it made sense to go and get a big. And Ibaka is an interesting guy, an interesting kind of fit beyond even on the court. But I, I don't really see any way to sell this as the book's giving up much of anything. They got in a player who may well prove to be useful to them. And they got two second rounders, which could factor into more deals. Like Shemi, we, we all know the embarrassing U-turn ties had to take on that over the course of the season. So there's not going to be any tears shed really there. And, and Rodney Hood, that was a, a really obvious gamble at the time. It's like, well, what's his health going to be? What's he look like? What's left? And they took a chance. They had a look at him. Didn't really see much. And they've moved on. Like this is becoming something of a horse staple to make pretty bad free agency deals and then have to move on from them at the deadline. And we all kind of forget and are like, oh, look, he's doing it again, which is. I think that's just a Bucks thing dating back to yeah. Miles Plumley and stuff. You just, you know, oh, even, kind of not even care. that. I mean, it's signing John Salmons or doing Richard Jefferson before that. Like there's always the constant kind of, I mean, those are bigger stakes than, you know, minimum guys like Rodney Hood or Shemi Ojale. But considering the context of like where the Bucks are at now, coming off a championship and trying to defend their title, it's like you know, what I mean, like the stakes are a lot higher than when you're you know 34 and 48 or whatever they were. It's, it's also the context of their situation, though, right? Yeah. Under salary cap situation, which is you don't have the options to get players that you kind of reliably know you're gonna be able to bank on for the season. So in the summer, you have to take a lot of flyers, those flyers haven't paid off, and it's like, okay, let's go again, let's see what we can spin them into. Like, I, I don't necessarily think this is great and, and immediately kind of, oh, well, look at how brilliant this is or that that was as bad as it now looks. This is just kind of the nature of trying to fill out the rest of your roster when you're in a spot like the books are. I think uh, the key, go ahead, key thing, too, is that moving up Dante now, they had no other choice. Like, yeah, you could have, you know, dangled out, oh, or go away. Like, if you kick the can down the road, you'd be like, okay, we, maybe we can give him for – get something out of a sign and trade, you know, just based on having his restricted rights or restricted free agent rights, but it doesn't help them th- now. That wouldn't help them now. They had no choice to fortify their front court with a guy. Yeah. Serge Ibaka does have durability questions, but considering that, like, I'm not saying Greg Monroe on a 10 day contract was, you know, this big bandage that sopped up everything good for the Bucks. But the fact that we're dealing with like that kind of replacement level player and you're bringing a guy that at least can give you maybe 10, 15 minutes when, you know, it's time to play for the season and everything's going, you know, worst up. case like, scenario. Yeah. Worst case our, scenario. Our, our durability questions actually worse than Dante's durability questions. No. And he's at a position, I think, of greater need just in terms of balancing the roster. Like I, I was very much, they need a big, they need a big, they need a big. You guys all know that. Yeah. But now that they've got one, it's like, yeah, if they could find another guard, I'm I'm interested. Dante wasn't that guy, though. So no, if yeah. you can use Dante to address that, and you can, whether it's for another trade in the next while or if it's on the bio market, like, I think that that's a pretty logical gamble. And also to go back to the other drum I've been beaten recently, like, Serge Ibaka is a really good guy who's well-liked in the locker rooms wherever he goes. He's won a championship. He's a guy who clearly has been hungry for more. But his whole career, you go back to his Thunder days, he has been on like just genuine, legitimate contenders trying to win. And we talked about... And you the know, magic. Well, that's also true. <laughs> Look, 
you got to get paid. You have to get paid. Yeah, yeah. Uh, that got him to the Raptors, and he won a championship on that contract. So I think that all worked out in the end. But I think that's the kind of thing when you look at some of the ups and downs they've had, and I know I've been trying it out there. It's like they need someone who's just a new voice, a different voice, but who's going to bring something to this team down the stretch. I like him as an option for that. And honestly, he wasn't really someone who was on my radar because I didn't see this particular trade coming in the run-up to it. I always thought that the salary was going to be prohibitive, right? Because you're either trading Brooke to get there, and none of us expect that, or it's three rotation players for one. And you can do that, but it does add to the tax bill. And I'm not out here to beat any drums for spending or being proud of ownership or whatever. But it is a fact that they did... They did, yeah, that classic tie windish right there. They did take on a pretty significant amount by doing that, and we'll see what it happens is. in the coming days. But it's an expensive move, not asset wise. I think. Well, let's see how much cash they got. We have no idea how much cash they got. Well, we we know there's a limit. What is it's a couple million is the most two and a half million, I think. Yeah, so like. it's it's gonna. I mean, what they add like a couple dozen mil, a dozen million, a lot on salaries. And tax bill. A tax. Salary. It, it oh, added tax eight, eight and a half million, yes, I think, yes. to yeah. the tax. Because you need to fill out the roster at some point. So, um, but, and also because the Ibaka had a trade bonus. Like oh, there's a trade yeah, kicker. So, oh, I didn't So they, that. they actually went and got a player that was going to cost them more than his current deal when they traded for him, which is also notable. So I do think, and, and you know, I posed the question before, is it more about savings? I do think for all these reasons, like they do like Ibaka, clearly. Like this was purposeful. I think you could have probably gotten off of Dante and some of the floatsome for, you know, fairly easily, right? Like I think, I think there was real interest in Dante. I've heard a lot of things about teams that called and offered bad picks or whatever. Cavs, I think we're one of like, I've heard a prominent the, I've heard the Cavs were even floating some sort of a first-round pick, which I find fascinating for Dante. I don't know if that's pre or post Karis Levert, but pre. Um, but but anyway, um, they didn't do that. I think they do like Surge. I think they see Surge as fitting in, being a strong backup big, probably better for this team than Boogie or Monroe. And I think maybe not a Lopez replacement. I don't think this means anything negative about Brooks' timeline, but maybe Lopez insurance because he's the most Brook-like center out of the three they've had on the roster this season. I think he is – he's obviously not as good as healthy Brook, but he is more of a plug-and-play doing some of those same things. I agree, though, Jordan, entirely on Dante. I think they almost had to trade him, right? Like you look at – He's been an active detriment since the new year, at least, minus 10.6 net rating. And it's like you're in this weird position where they kept, they wanted to play him. They wanted him to get healthy. He wasn't able to you know, get, get healthy and get back to that level. Because I do think last season, at times, he was quite good. Overall, he was good last season. Oh, yeah. Season. Pretty, I mean, pre-injury in the first round of that, the Heat Series, he was a productive player, even when considering all the worst – with a shot and all that yep. stuff like he was still making impact yeah a positive um, impact yeah um, but, you gotta specify key, key point yeah. <laughs> but, but i think um you know going into this season i thought and earlier this season too i thought the chance is maybe not great they trade him because even though if you're not going to pay him you're contending this year you want the immediate contributor you keep dante even if you lose him rather than getting like a future asset but that changed when he just wasn't able to consistently be a positive contribute contributor and then it's like we kind of have to do something here so i think getting the flexibility getting surge and a couple more second round picks i mean we've seen what john horse can do with these things 
Bucks have seven now to trade. So even if they don't make a deal in the next That's 30 like minutes. That's like one and a half Miritich's. Yeah, I mean, like, to, I mean, to put it in perspective, like, you can find useful players. I mean, obviously that one didn't work out. We've rehashed that a lot. It's a good trade, though. It was a good I mean, trade. At the time, yeah, I mean. It's the a, process was, was good. Yeah, and, and you have Operation a was a success, but the patient died. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> Rohan with the medical terminology um, busting <laughs> out. But, okay, um, are there any more thoughts on this deal in particular? Or, I mean, like, to add something to Dante, I mean, yeah. another option was potentially, like, keeping him, re-signing him, and using him as a tradable salary. Because it's like, I mean, they he was the only one currently. And even if he was signed to something bigger, he would still probably be the only tradable salary. So yeah. I guess that was another option. But that's just not tenable for all the reasons you guys outlined. Like, you just, he's not that good. He, I will say he has been better, like, Nah, I'm not going to say it. He, he's been bad. He's been very bad. <laughs> he hasn't been good. But I, I think this worked out. They got a solid return. They got a player in Serge Ibaka who can potentially help them out. They got some second-round picks. They got roster flexibility. I think this is a win. I think George Hill has kind of eaten his lunch, too, as the guy who, even if he's not playing well individually, he's just a seamless fit for the team, and they seem to take off when he's on the floor. That was Dante's gig before, and now Dante is the complete reverse of that in terms of his own impact on the team. Like that, all of that just makes it really, really tough. And then having a major upgrade in the starter and Grayson, you can't go there. As for the seven picks, possibly important also for the summer, given their situation is going to be brutal. And if they've got to make some tough decisions and move on from some guys, if you're going to do anything, at least you've got some assets to explore something. If if Horse just doesn't go and trade seven picks like in the next five minutes, which is never entirely out of the question of how he values second rounders on trade deadline day. I think to the key point, another key point with Dante is that if you're trying to, if you're having all this trouble integrating him into the rotation and he's playing the way he had been largely, that's taking away minutes from Pat Conton, Grace Allen, Wes Matthews, who they brought in a couple months ago. Like I know he's fallen back to earth a little bit with his shooting. He's still a very useful defender at the very least. And Dante is just kind of like, we've always talked about where he's like, he he's 6'4", a guard, but doesn't play like a guard. He's a forward and a guard's body. And none of that like adds up into A, a useful player, and B, something that the Bucks honestly need at this point. So like getting him, it's almost like an addition by subtraction, honestly. It simplifies the wing rotation a lot better from my perspective. And obviously you get Ibaka too, who, you know, fortifies the big, you know, big rotation too. So I think from that perspective, it just kind of makes things a lot easier. Granted, they do need another ball handler, but with open roster spots and, you know, buyout process coming up shortly, like, we'll see. Spencer Dinwiddie oh going to the Mavs. That is embarrassing <laughs> um, for Dallas, man. That is truly embarrassing for Dallas. Would that open the door for Goran Dragic to be Ooh, you know, more gettable? Are they, are they not getting Dragic then? It's, it, I never like to close the book on these buyout things that early. The guy has not even been yeah. bought out yet. The Mavs were reporting Austin Rivers. Favorites. Look what happened with Austin Rivers. Yeah. I mean, wow. it's, it's I, I still, the Bucks have been on every list. I know there's Whoa. people with mixed feelings. What? Porzingis is Porzingis to the Wizards. What? Oh my God. So the, the Wizards are tearing it down? Or are they, do um, they think this is a, a win now? I guess it's just. They're, they're doing I mean, they're the wizard state of like trying to thread the needle I'm, of all this. They're not going to win. Like Beal's out for the rest of the season. Like, Yeah. 
this is uh, this is an interesting. What is the, the man's been... front court depth like? They've got Dwight Powell, Maxi Kleba. Yeah, he's a little okay. See, here's the thing: Porzingis is actually having a decent season. Yeah, he's he's kind of bounced back a bit recently. Who? Porzingis. Oh yeah, I just I, I, I hate this for for Dallas. I mean, it, it's I, I don't think I like it for either team. <laughs> I don't, yeah, what what Dinwiddie what are the bad. Wizards doing with Porzingis? I mean, I'd rather have Porzingis than Dinwiddie on the contracts they're oh. both on. Fair. So I, I, I mean, I one's I just, good, one's not. Yeah. So, so exactly. So I kind of automatically like it better. I think for uh, for Washington, that that's a wild one right there. Um, did not. So that's Jalen. That that's their Jalen Brunson max contract extension or max contract. Yeah. Insurance. Why? Why would they want Dinwiddie if Bertans is going to uh, Dallas as well? Oh, okay. Why? Wow, wait, wait, wait. They get off Dinwiddie and Bertans for poor. How much? Because I mean, Porzingis is making a lot of money. He's making a lot of money. Oh, That's not a contract that you just take. No, but I'm saying, I'm saying, how much pick compensation is that going to take for Washington? Wait, because... who said Bertans? Woj. That is two terrible, terrible contracts for Kristaps Porzingis, Why man. Like I think Porzingis is expensive, but still good. The, the, oh my god, that's wow. I don't know what Dallas is up to, um, but it would be great if. Are you uh, sure Woj said that? No, he hasn't said it. Oh, no get, I just said Jordan. Did, Jordan. did you he get might have fake it. He might have deleted it. It's yeah. Tim McMahon oh, saying it. Tim McMahon. Tim McMahon. Okay. Okay. okay, we're good. Oh God! Uh, I, <laughs> I did not want to be got. Don't I be spouting misinformation when we're live, Jordan. Come on now. Exactly. Um, I think. Well, let's circle back. Nobody does that on YouTube. <laughs> no. <Never. laughs> um, Couldn't imagine. Or Spotify, where this podcast also appears. Um, so and circling back to the to the Bucks trade. Um. I, they could still add to it. I don't think it's been called in officially yet. And I think oh. if if they're going to trade for anyone else, that's what's going to happen. Because in, or Hill moves. Those are really the two options. They have no salary blocks left. I don't think West could be traded, and he's a minimum anyway. Wara literally makes too little to bring back Kenrich it's Williams. George Hill, right? I, it'd have to be Hill, or or and you can lump it into this trade. So like you could bring back two. But that plus it'd be million. difficult to lump things into this trade. It's already a four teamer. Well, it doesn't matter if it's just if it's just adding one little part. It's not that. I mean, teams do this kind of thing. Books of seven second game. rounders they can give other teams too to accommodate within that framework. Yeah, yeah, you know, you send the draft rights for of Rohan Cadi somewhere, and and suddenly it's all it's all good. That means I got drafted. Let's go. <laughs> You're actually an eligible free agent because you didn't declare fast enough after graduating. That's a fun fact. I think you were drafted for books gaming. I think that's <laughs> that's it. That that would that would connect more. Um, but it's it's possible they add it that way and they still bring in someone. That's probably unless Hill is moved. I think that's probably what would happen. The Bucks don't have a big traded player exception. There's not much salary. I think it'd be a really tough scene if Hill got traded again to accommodate another move. That's that's hard. It starts to get pretty bad long term I mean, for what? the optics of how you're treating guys who you tell them like we love you, you're yeah. important to us, we're going to trade you like to. Particularly if if it actually it's was the, the Cameron Williams deal you're looking for, it's just they keep bringing them and trading them back to OKC. Mavericks <laughs> send me a second round pick. Of course not. There's no. So wait, so the Mavs are giving Wow Porzingis and a pick. There has are to be. Are they salary there, dumping Kristaps right? Porzingis? But I think they're getting more salary. Yeah, I think they're getting more salary. Because Bertans is like making this. like nearly twenty million a year. I just got years left, dude. 
That Bertans contract is up there for worse than I mean, I know he's starting to play a little better, but oh my goodness. That he's also a, a guy with some of the worst ACL history because he's torn both sides yeah. multiple yeah. times. Um, which is impressive, to be honest. The 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 Mavs said our defense is coming together. Let's insert Dinwiddie and Davis Bertans. It wouldn't be it wouldn't be a trade deadline with Jason Kidd as your coach with you know something just absolutely. Is, is he just a coach? Do we do we think Jason Kidd sees a little bit of himself in Spencer Dinwiddie and just couldn't help himself? <laughs> is this deal a power play? The Bucks just acquired, or sorry, the Mavericks just acquired the top five guard and Spencer Dinwiddie. Um, MCW is a free agent. Maybe, uh, maybe, maybe he'll be yeah. in the fold too. Maybe that changed the Dragic equation. Maybe uh, Jason Kidd has his eye on his protege. Um, the Mavs are are hilarious, but we. I think this we is talk- all hilarious. This is all hilarious. <laughs> Um, I love that we're too busy talking about the Davis Bertans move to get to James Harden and we should do ben that. That's a good yeah, idea. let's get to let's get to that. I was gonna so, say, should we do buyout options first? But we can wait until after the dust. We wait yeah, till after. Yeah. yeah. So we still got eighteen minutes. Yeah. Yeah. At Big least. news of the day, besides Abaka, is that uh, James Harden has been traded to the Philadelphia 76ers in exchange for Ben Simmons. Uh, Andre Drummond, two first-round picks, and Seth Curry, and it's uh, it's James Harden and Paul Millsap going to going to Philly. Wow, <laughs> honestly, did not think that this was going to happen. Both both teams were sort of like giving out reports saying that, oh, we're we're doing this. Oh wait, we're not doing this. We haven't even talked yet. Actually, does this guy even have my number? I don't even know who this guy is. It's just like conflicting reports everywhere. James Harden doesn't have an agent. Yeah, he doesn't have an agent. It's just just wild. But the Nets well, that, makes it, that makes it easy. You can just, you know, text and call Daryl Borey to his heart's yeah. content. I think, you know? I think Woj is his agent right now. Or <laughs> that's basically what it is. Um, you not you mean yeah, Windy? Yeah. True. He has the keys yeah. to the deal zone. <laughs> that's the <laughs> best thing to come out of this deadline. The deal um, zone. <laughs> but uh the Nets big three is no longer. Uh the Bucks ended that. So that's a good good job, Milwaukee Bucks. You ended that after 392 days. Uh, the Kevin Durant, Kyrie Irving, James Harden, Brooklyn Nets won 13 games, one playoff series, and that's it. We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. 
When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. That's it. <laughs> so what my my first reaction was, I, I think situationally, just for the situation both teams were in at the deadline, I think the Nets are the loser. Because I think everyone knew Simmons was just going to sit around. And the fact that Harden basically bullied the Nets into breaking up their super team after they gave up everything to get him. And I know their haul is okay. They got two picks. Obviously, Ben Simmons, Seth Curry, Drummond. That's fine. I think the whole point of their team, though, was we have three MVPs. Nothing else really matters if we can get them on the floor. And they just couldn't, whether it was injuries, mandates, poutiness, general poutiness, which follows Harden everywhere. And I think it's just like a terrible look. That And I guess the Sixers kind of got bullied, too. And I know Harden's been injured this year and everything, and we'll see how he looks in, in Philly. I don't think that's a perfect fit. But if you're the Nets, it's like you had to give up an MVP for James Harden or for, excuse me, for Ben Simmons. Ben Simmons. Ben Simmons, who has not played all year. Um, so Seven you, months. Seven if, months. If you think right. Harden doesn't look good this year, Ben Simmons doesn't look at all this year. Seth Curry, who's fine. Andre Drummond and a couple picks. I, I just think like, man, that's a, that's a tough scene for Brooklyn. And you can sell yourself on fit all you want. You traded for a guy who doesn't show up in fourth quarters. You already have a guy who doesn't show up for home games. How much is KD going to have to carry in any given playoff a, series? I think I think the big takeaway here is that Brooklyn's ceiling got lower and Milwaukee now is the highest ceiling in the East. I agree. I think it is. Because Ben Simmons is a worse player than James Harden by far. <laughs> like for all of the all of the James Harden playoff stuff, he's still been better than Ben Simmons in the playoffs. Ben like, Simmons will never win MVP. No, like never. You'll never come close to it. He's not going to, yeah, exactly. He's not going to come close to it. He's going to be making all-star teams averaging 12 points a game or something. It's just, that's, that's going to be the story of his career because he refuses to improve what he needs to improve. And he just has too big of an ego to really realize what he needs to do to succeed in the league. And we're going to see that on full display in Brooklyn, playing next to one of the greatest players of all time in Kevin Durant, Ben Simmons is going to let him down. This is all going to come crashing down again, because not only are you trading away a player who is like, sure, he's requested trades from teams in two consecutive seasons. Uh, that's not great for the locker room. One gave up on an entire team. That's who you're acquiring. You are acquiring an even poutier baby than James Harden. <laughs> and on a worse, a worse player. I don't understand. I don't understand this at all. Also, uh, like... The whole when the Nets made this big in move, this the new era with signing Kevin Durant, scary Kyrie hours. Irving, scary hours. But like, and they obviously furthered that when they made the move for um, uh, Harden. They were talking about this culture and all this stuff, and it's they play sixteen games together, and it just it goes for naught. Like I understand injuries played a factor. The Bucks benefited from those injuries. We. You know, whether we want to admit that or not, but like it's just crazy to me to see this like dissolution or dissolution of this team and all the potential. And like, okay, like at least it's like 
it was always going to be the sleepy giant until it wasn't until it they lose eight straight games it's not, and, and it's, James Harden say he's not hasn't submitted a formal trade request but it's going all over ESPN TV cameras like it's just it's crazy just how the Nets have just sold their soul for just trying to get stars and it just blowing up in this massive public way while the Lakers are just in are in purgatory and just stuck like it just it's so everything's so fickle about trying to build in today's NBA and not to circle back and be like oh we sh- we all should appreciate how the Bucks have built their team but like it's crazy the Bucks have not had anything to this level or even with like missing out on Bogdan Bogdanovich or Jabari Parker, you know, just that going kablooey. And just, I don't know. It's just crazy to see this happen from team to team. And the sec- the Sixers kind of salvaging all the stuff with Simmons, but it's still shrug your shoulders depending on when, if James Harden is going to show up at the playoffs. I, I think there is, to be fair on it, I think there's good reason for both teams to have made this trade right oh, now yeah. because sure. they yes. have to do it. Is the, yeah. They both have they both have there. improved their chances of doing something. I just uh, Rowan kind of nailed it. In the Nets ceiling has now like plummeted. It is so much lower. Maybe they can end up with a a more consistent lower ceiling that's enough to get you past some things. It will certainly change the dynamics of the team. We'll see what Simmons can do defensively. But the the only thing that kind of comes to mind when I think of that is like. Giannis calling him a baby and like putting them in the basket. Yeah, if, every time if he's they play, the answer to Giannis, that's the, the win for the Bucks. <laughs> and honestly, Harden's post defense was more useful than what Simmons would show against the Bucks. Like that's a that's a real thing that the Bucks have had difficulties with at time. I think even just the offensive threat that someone like Simmons gives in a play or someone like Harden gives in a playoff series that matters because even if he's not at his best, even if he's hurt, even if we're saying he's in decline. People are going to play him like he's James Harden in the fourth quarter of a playoff game. How are you going to play Ben Simmons? It's 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 making it so they're not going to play it. It's making it so much easier for opposing teams with what was this kind of big question of how do you possibly cope with the Nets? Now it's kind of like it's not not all that difficult. I mean, Kevin Durant is Kevin Durant. They could still go and win a championship. And if if Simmons does end up being good or Kyrie Irving is good, like. Well, then maybe things can work out for them, but they have traded down in terms of what their ceiling was. I I don't really, I think it's pretty short-sighted. I will give credit to Daryl Morey because I've made fun of him for quite some time. I don't know if this is the best that they could have got at any point, but he eventually made a deal and he held on and he got a good deal. He got a player that was worth holding on for, I which I had, I had really started to doubt he was going to do. I think Harden and Embiid are interesting. I just don't know if they're going to have enough time to work that out for this season and if the rest of the team is there. But the Sixers were already rising in my estimation on this season just because of how good Embiid has been. They continue to rise, and I do think they are the team to fear most for the books in the Eastern Conference. Yeah, I think looking at talking about Simmons making the Nets easier to guard, the reason I always thought the old Sixers would be such an easy matchup for the Bucs in the playoffs was Giannis is you couldn't ask for a better opposing starter for Giannis than Simmons because he can just ignore him and play help side defense the entire series he's on the court. And I think against the Nets, that's obviously what they're going to do. Like Brooke starts uh, if there's a center probably on, on whoever that is. 
or maybe you put Brooke on Simmons for for you know while the Bucks are playing bigger. But you know, their one of their core pieces is a guy you don't have to worry about offensively. I was going to say, unless he's right by the basket, he proved against Atlanta even there. You don't really have to worry about him as long as literally anyone is in the vicinity. So, you know, for all this talk about, oh, you're going to put the ball in Ben's hands or wherever you're going to put Ben, I don't think it matters. I don't think anyone cares where Ben is. And I just think it's going to make the the Nets so much e- I mean, the Nets, the promise of the Nets, it's the three stars, and then it's like we got Joe Harris, and then like Blake Griffin. So well, you can leave Blake open, he's going to shoot. Or they can go even smaller, Patty Mills. And it's like, oh, you can't leave anyone to double KD, right? You can't do it. You can't can't send help. You can send help now. And I think that's a that's a huge difference against Brooklyn. That's also what did our lineups look like? Like is Simmons gonna be a center when it matters? Because if he if he isn't even gonna kind of try that, I don't like anything else they've got going he's on. He's not there. a good defender against centers. He, but he's absolutely horrendous at spacing the floor so i don't know andre drummond i mean they got him right like he's <laughs> that is who they got there. and they but that's who they wanted specifically wanted back in the deal like seemingly they're I trying don't... to shop nick claxton like so they're, they're obviously Which, viewing yeah andre drummond as like the answer for them this season or they're thinking that they're gonna play small and simmons will play up like i i think simmons at center has to be like God, this conversation has happened so many times over the years with Giannis. I'm like, oh, you know, the spacing. And as opposed to it being a weapon, also this idea of, well, eventually I think that's going to be his position because that's what makes most sense in kind of minimizing his his weaknesses, his faults, which are now very, very few and far between. That's not the case for Simmons. They are very prominent. And I do think that is still the case. Although, as you said, Ron, he's not cut out for defending centers in the way that he is for forwards, but then what do you do? Like, and it's, it's going to be really interesting. I just also like the, what does KD think of that, of losing James Harden and getting Ben Simmons? I cannot imagine being like the star left to play with Kyrie Irving on one side and Ben Simmons on the other. Also Kyrie has a player option this summer or something like that. Didn't want to extend before the season, which is like, that it's just, I mean credit they they did get a couple first round picks like their cupboard was as bare as the Bucks were but like is it just then is it that they're worried Ky- Kyrie could opt out Harden clearly wanted to leave so are they viewing this as well at least we've got Ben Simmons now as opposed to it's just KD on his own I mean I don't know if KD on his own and some cap space to work with is the worst thing. It's not, it's not a great free agent class. It's not. Yeah, it's not a great free agent that's class. True. That's that's my that's the Portland. And thing. I don't think they. I mean, they've handed so many contracts. I mean, Joe Harris. He, do we see him this season? It doesn't sound like it. Like, it depends on gets, whether he gets a second surgery. The reports yeah. have been really and dire lately. Seth Curry honestly kind of scares me a little bit more just because he is such a good shooter and really has proven it in the playoffs. Yeah, even amid like all the Sixers mess last year against the Hawks, like. That is, they get a nice rotation piece that way. But, like, this time last year, maybe a couple of months later, like, we everybody's freaky out. Like, they got Blake Griffin on a buyout. LaMarcus Aldridge just going there before his heart's troubles and all this stuff. They made this, like, you know, it felt like a fantasy team. And it just blows up like it was a fantasy team. It was all a fantasy. <laughs> Their championship contention. And then, I mean, who know, who knows to see, like, if, Sixers really, if this is going to be a core that can last for a long time, 
but it's still James Harden and he may not be MVP for the rest of his career, but like, he's still really good. Yeah. Um, let's, let's talk about a Sixers perspective a little bit. It's just, wait, wait, wait real I quick. Think, Sorry. Okay. Go for it. Five minutes until the deadline. Do people think the Bucks make another move or no? Yes. Yeah. I think they probably do. It's gonna, oh. They're going to have to beat the Bucks. No. I don't think if they make a move, I think it's they're going to be linked with buyout guys. We we, we're going to have to circle back to buyout guys after we finish the the Sixers combo because there's some really intriguing names out there right now. Um, I do think going for a four would make sense. You throw Wara into that deal and and bring in Clax. Nets don't want Claxton anymore because they have big Claxton, aka Ben Simmons. The the Nets love their bucket getters. And he loves it. playing in Brooklyn. I don't, I don't think it makes much sense. Um, I think it makes sense for the Bucs. I don't think it makes much sense for, for Brooklyn. And I don't know if those two teams would do business. Although the Nets j- did just do business with Philly, so maybe they would. Um, okay, Rohan, Sixers perspective. Yeah, Sixers perspective, I think this is a win. I think this is an absolute win. Uh, you turn a dead salary slot, dead roster spot into James Harden. <laughs> and given, like we've said this before, James Harden's having a down year. Right. It's, it's undeniable. He's not peak James Harden. He's probably like, what, 70, 70 percent of peak James Harden, maybe a little higher. But that's still a really good player and someone who can be a really, really nice offensive fit next to Joel Embiid, because Joel Embiid is arguably the best player in the league right now. I wouldn't say he is because, uh, you know, be honest, but uh, he, he's, he's right up there. There's no denying he's right up there. Uh and you get a dynamic shooting guard in James Harden. I mean, not necessarily a shooting guard like a two, but a guard that can shoot. You guys know what I'm saying. Uh, but just someone who can handle an offense, create for himself, and is able to score at all three levels. That's that's a win. That's an absolute win for the Philadelphia 76ers. Giving up Seth Curry is tough. Andre Drummond has been actually decent for them. But come on, it's it, James Harden. It's It's a win. It's an absolute win. So I yeah, guess I Eric personality-wise to Toronto. No, that's fake. that's a fake. That's oh, a fake, fake account. Come on, Come YouTube on, chat. I need you guys. Come Can on, stop talking about John Isaac of all players. He's at CPAC. <laughs> He's not playing NBA basketball. Come on, but we need we need real trades. No more John Isaac. Okay, Adam, go ahead. I think personality-wise, I think Harden and Embiid are going to feed off each other. Like uh, I think it's one of the better fits that Embiid has had. Um, through all of the years of weird Sixers experiments that have gone on there. And I, I do, I, I think with the place he's at, now the interesting thing will be, like, does Harden coming in disrupt that, where Embiid's at the MVP race and how he's powering the Sixers? Or does Harden come in so glad to be away from Kyrie and all the circus that the Nets have been this year and be like, yeah, this guy is good. <laughs> he's really good. There's no one actively taking this ship down right now. I'm prepared to get on board and like just even be the point guard and shoot a little bit less and pick my spots in a way that's even kind of, I mean, he has done that at points before, but I, I do think this is a chance more than ever where it's like put egos aside. It's a big, you know, it's a big ask, but I, I think he could be the perfect fit if he wants to. That's a big if though. I think, I go ahead, Jordan. I I don't know. I just granted, like if they had done this trade, whenever Harden wanted to get out of Houston, they would have had to given up what, like I think the package of Simmons, Maxi, 
Um, I can't remember if Tybal is in there or not, but like they're they keep a little bit more of their core intact. And they have, I mean, if you look at that starting lineup now, that's going to be really scary. <laughs> it kind of fits everything fits a little bit, save for kind of Tobias Harris as a forward, just because I don't, I mean, it's kind of where his position is at, but he's just not a four. It's kind of like, I don't know, it's weird. Anyway, um, they're clearly more talented. They get a player that's actually playing for them this season. That does it's tend st- to help. Yeah, that does tend to help. It's all about just, can this kind of be, can this mesh together when it counts? And this season more than ever is kind of just, you kind of throw out the regular season based on everything that's happened. But yeah. Daniel Tice has now been traded. He's gone back to the Celtics. Oh, interesting. Okay. What? Who said that? Woj. Woj. What? Yep. Listen, I'm only coming here with real accounts. I've got a. <laughs> Mine wasn't loaded. I've got a verified list on TweetDeck in front of you here. If you hear from TweetDeck, me, TweetDeck gets legit. way faster than the Twitter app does. Um, so, my my take on the the Sixers now is clearly the talent is is much better because Simmons just wasn't showing up. So, no matter what you think about those two guys, like you said, Jordan, I mean Simmons wasn't going to play there. I don't think after the deadline he would have played there. And even if he does play there, he's not that good. James Harden is better. Even now, I think right now, today, I mean, Simmons needs to ramp up and decide if he wants to play basketball. Apparently, that's still up in the air, although the signs are positive, according to Ramona Shelburne. Is that shambolic? I'll, I'll, cut, I'll cut across you there because Dennis Schroeder is going to the Houston Rockets and that Daniel oh, Tice deal. Oh, that's that's a final me. guy if I've it ever seen me. one. We'll get there, uh, Yeah, I know. How many buyout guys can the Rockets have at one time? Um, <laughs> but the 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 big question I think is going to be, what philosophy do they lean into? Because Maury and Harden together for a long time was a heliocentric James Harden offense, and clearly it's not going to be that. But that is Harden's old role, and he wasn't that with Brooklyn. He was a play initiator, and he was quite good. But I don't think it's a seamless fit like some people do because, oh, star guard, star big, pick and rolls. Like, Embiid doesn't play like that. And maybe he'll do more of that now, but he's in the post a lot. And James Harden is not really known for being active and useful when the ball isn't in his hands. He's not Russell Westbrook, but he's not exactly Steph Curry out there either. So, you know, it's good to have options. I think they're certainly better because, again, Ben wasn't going to play there. But I don't think it's like like Harden walks in the door and it, oh, we're clicking right away, and we get how this is going to work, and and it's great. I think it, there's going to be some interesting push and pull in how they play, who uses what possessions, everything else. And I think for both of these teams, really, trying to get acclimated in this regular season, of all regular seasons, where the Nets, you know, KD's still not ready. We don't know when Ben is going to play. So And Kyrie is on half the games. So they've lost nine straight games. I mean, good luck getting out of the play-in at this point with – how long it's going to take them to get healthy and together. And for the Sixers, it's like time to figure out how this is going to work. You have two months basically before the playoffs start. So, you know, I think maybe both of these teams looking a little bit toward next year too, but I just think it's really hard to, to get integrated that fast at trades of this catacly- cataclysmic level. Is that no it for arguments. the trade deadline? It's, uh, I would guess we'll have some more deals for all in the next few minutes, reporting-wise. But the trade deadline has passed, yes. 2.02 yes. p.m. Central, 3.02 p.m. Eastern. 
The last trade, if it is, Tice for Schroeder is kind of hilarious. A little salary dump for, for Boston after they acquired Derek White. Um, a White going to Boston is, is pretty, uh, pretty par for the course. So let's talk about the buyout guys because we've seen some trades over the last week that will probably result in guys getting bought out. I think the most controversial from a Bucks perspective has been Eric Bledsoe who I still think would be a good option replacing, I think someone said this earlier, replacing some of the Dante stuff um, in a less volatile package. And I recognize that Eric Bledsoe has been a volatile player, not as volatile as Dante has been this season, I think, especially in a smaller non-starting role. But who are some other names? I think um, Thad Young off the board now. We talked about Dragic earlier too. But who are some names anybody else has been thinking about as good buyout deals unless a trade rolls through here in the next 10, 15 minutes? There's been a lot of noise around Gary Harris, whether that's going to be legit. Who knows? Um, that might I, – I know I mentioned in our private chat, but that might be the biggest – Guy. I think he's like at least a really good contributor and helps on the wing and stuff like that. I guess Goran Dragic is obviously has been rumored to be a bio, a bio guy from the moment he got traded to the Raptors, um, gets traded to the Spurs. Schroeder throwing the mix now with going to Houston. Um, is there any big Adam's face tells it all. <laughs> Just shaking his head. Some of those names are good, Adam. Schroeder's not. No, yeah, that's fine. People um, people have no idea what they want a part of here. It's like, <laughs> I, I don't know, has anyone been paying attention to Dennis Schroeder's entire career? It it happens in a cycle, year after year after year. Some contender needs Dennis Schroeder. It's like, oh, yeah, he'll give us some quality minutes. He ends up, for some reason or another, playing, taking way too many shots, missing them, turning it over. He's not good in a locker room. He is everything that goes against what a fit for the books is. And books fans are obsessed. And it's like, do any, do does anyone know what Dennis Schroeder plays like? I I take I say this as someone who was like the biggest Dennis Schroeder believer for his first three years in the league. And I got burned and burned so many times that I gave up on it. It's he he is not the answer. If the books bring in Dennis Schroeder, who also worth noting, I think most people know and are just deciding not to talk about it, does not have a a strong history with Bud. Yeah. They did not end up on the greatest of terms by the end of his time in Atlanta. Like it, it just makes no sense for entirely all of the things that, you know, the books supposedly stand for in terms of what they look to build and a culture and the kind of guys they brought in. And like, you look at the roster right now and you're like, yeah, it adds up. You've got a, a certain profile of player all around the team. Dennis Schroeder is not the answer. Like maybe Goran Dragic is, um, maybe any other point like Bledsoe we actually know as a culture fit that works ultimately we're talking about someone that is second to third string point guard third. we'll soak up some third. guard minutes that's that's what you're looking for if Schroeder comes in and you're like you're not playing that's not going to go well if Schroeder comes in and they play him he's going to take lots of shots that should be Drew's or Giannis or Chris or Grayson's yeah. and we're all going to be like What's going on? People will tear their hair out about him. It's like, for me, I'm a fan of knowing when you just need a player who will give you solid minutes while largely staying out of the way of your good players. Everything in Dennis Schroeder's career has been that he's not that guy. Like, is he good for one incredible playoff game? Like a guy who'll come in. I Like, everyone, remember how against the T game everyone was last year? The idea of the T game? The Schroeder game will exist. It's just... 
Like he's not going to be this this chill character in the locker room the rest of the time. It's it's not been what his track record throughout the league has been. Every team that wants him, very quickly they're like, okay, let's move on from this guy. And at yeah. a certain point, you got to look at the player on the court, all of the reporting that's there, and you know non basketball stuff that's that's there in terms of his personality. And you're like, this is not this is not the path the books usually go down. And it would just be, oh, he's got some talent. Let's get him. We need to fill roster spots. Got to be careful with that. The books have good players. They've got enough good players. If the right fit isn't there, you don't want to derail it for someone who could be your 11th, 12th guy. I've got another name, another Orlando player who was available but didn't get traded for. Is Terrence Ross Ross expiring this year? No, I think he has one more. Oh, does he have one more? Then probably not for him then. I know he's been very, very available uh, in, in trades. If he's got one more year, he probably isn't going to get bought out. Let me double check. Um, but I just saw, uh, so I think, I don't think everything is over. So Woj is like tweeting team by team who's not making deals. <laughs> the Lakers aren't, which honestly befuddles me that they didn't get anything done after we saw that Bucks game and they lose the next slate against Portland. What have they got though? That's I, the. I mean, T- Terrence Ross also just tweeted the I'm not leaving Wolf of Wall Street gift. And he does have another year left on okay. his contract, so maybe not Terrence Ross. Probably not Terrence Ross then. Um, I've, I've heard a lot of chatter about like Randall and Fournier and, and something else, I think, for Russ. Basically, it's just the Knicks getting off contracts for in exchange for Russ. I think that's better for the Lakers. I think those guys can fit and play better than, than Russ has. And also there was all the talk about Wall and Gordon for um, Russ, THT, and a first. If I'm the Lakers, I do that, and it's not even for Wall. It's for Eric Gordon, who I think would be their third best player pretty comfortably. They just need more guys. I think that's – I was thinking about this earlier this week, like around the, the time the Bucks played them. I think they could be a fringe contender this year, but they would have to flip Russ for a few more guys. I mean, we saw LeBron, and, and it was the bubble, sure. but I think Or LeBron, just, just don't do the Russ trade. Well, yeah, but they're yeah. here now. now I'm saying yeah. if from here they would have had to get flip Russ for guys. LeBron AD and good role players, that can be a hell of a team. And I think that's like a – I don't think it's a Suns-level team, but maybe like a Jazz-level team. And you go on a run, you never know. But with Russ, that's just so much cap space, so many minutes. If they continue to play him, that's just not working. That's, that's pretty brutal. I mean, they might at some point actually have to send him home, which is like, my God, what a depressing turnaround from the excitement of they had when they got him before the season. They've only themselves to blame. Oh, for sure. Like, yeah, obviously. Like everyone it's, knew it's, that it's except funny. the it's Lakers. Very funny. Like if Polinka it's, could it's do his job, they would be a good team. And he's terrible at his job. And they got the Astros championship <laughs> and they're living off the back of it. That LeBron quote after, which it was like, it was an interesting interview segment, him and AD at the podium after the books game. But when he's like comparing the books, he's like, yeah, you know, after the bubble, everyone would be looking, if you ask everyone else, like, could they get to our level? They'd have said no. No, they wouldn't. Everyone would have been looking at that Lakers team. They're like, yeah, I, I like my chances. Like, if you're a good team, it felt like that was attainable, and particularly after that weird season. But it's Polinka has done a terrible, terrible job of having LeBron James and Anthony Davis. Well, and I think, I mean, LeBron wanted the, the big ball handler, and, you know, it, they, they made a bad call. They were ready to do a Buddy Heald trade. Yeah. And then they or went DeRozan. To yeah, DeRozan wanted to come there. Or, Can you I mean, imagine? You know, obviously, it, you know, Adam just railed about how bad he sucks for five minutes, but pay Schroeder something and keep KCP, Kuzma, 
Harrell, they're still better than they are now. Even if Schroeder is a disaster there, they're still better than they are right now. Under 500 with clear, I mean, there's so much drama there. I can't believe, I mean, the quotes that is coming out of Russ, like I can't, I don't know why I'm not closing. I've proven myself in this league. Like you got the calendar date shooting splits, man. That's, that's why that's, that's what's going into that. Um, are there any other buyout guys? So it doesn't seem like right now. Robin we're Lopez go for a little bit. I don't know, but but not any. Like, what's, what's the point? Stein, what's the point now? Yeah, Mark Stein said something that they hit the magic. I mean, again, it's reporting a lot of it's posturing around this time of the year, but they weren't actively looking to trade him. So even I get with it, his, though. oh yeah, I think we talked about it last week where it's like you understand like the value he brings to the team and if he's not like oh i don't i like he signed off he knew what the magic were going to be this year yeah. when he signed a one-year five million dollar deal so i think it's just that kind of thing but i mean never say never but what well, when you say what's the point i mean my only counter to that and this hinges on a question that we'll get to shortly which is uh, the books have just gone deeper into the tax they have roster spots left to fill so i assume that we're all assuming that they're not going to use all their roster spots. They're no. going to leave one open, like to and, save on tax. And also, Which, they're not going to okay. find three more useful players either at this point in the year. They might, honestly, one of those spots, might, we saw last year them convert Mamadi Diakite. I, I think Mamadi has got a spot. shot at one of these. They could sure. do that with Mamu and save money that way. Yeah. And then just sign another two way guy that they don't bring back next year. Yeah, like, that could make some sense. But that's, well, I, yeah. I mean, I mean like the, Israel, the options yeah. for them, right? In theory, they could just be like, okay, if Robin Lopez is there, let's take Robin Lopez as well. If Brooke doesn't come back, then that's like you've got Brooke insurance in there and you're, you're rounding out your rotation the same way because you could still get a guard and still get a forward. Like they do technically have three roster spots open. And if, if players want to, and this is something that I am interested to see how it develops, but I don't know why bio-free agents, unless you know it's the guys who are really determined on a certain kind of role, why they wouldn't be looking to go to the books. <laughs> Do you want to go to the West where there's really no guarantees of you even getting out of a round? Like it's, it's a bloodbath over there and you look at the way the East is shaping up. It's like, and is freedom available now. Oh God. No. He's well and truly free. Yeah. Is anyone going to sign him? <laughs> I hope not. Um, just, I, I don't even know. I'm sorry. Even, I can't. When no. I see push notifications with some of the last name freedom, I just can't help but laugh, I guess. And this freedom is free. Um, free on February 25th now. I don't even... The 27th. <laughs> Second CPAC reference on the pod. That's got to be a record for us. Um, I do think... I, I think Mamu getting signed is a good shot. Um, in terms of buyout... So we saw... We had a question really early, actually. For, hold on. Let me, let me grab the name. I, I like to have the name of who asked the questions. Um, it was Jesse said, Greg, make it past his 10 day. I think almost certainly not now. He probably plays tonight because I, I there's probably no shot. Surge is going to be ready to play for the Bucks by tonight's game. They have a game and set. We have to stay up. Some of us are going to stay up and watch the Bucks at 9 p.m. Central tonight, which Adam, is just, Adam's out. Uh, yeah, uh, that makes I am sense. Out. He probably cuts the second half in the morning, honestly. It's pretty close. Yeah. Um, but I, I don't think Greg will stay past that game. I think it'll be that, and then they'll move Abaka into that role. So then I really think you've you got the three roster spots. You've got to fill within two weeks. 
technically those that yep. could be 10 days you don't need to have them or is it up to it? it's not all three it's the two right yeah, up to you 14 need up to players. 14 yeah, yeah. so uh-huh. they need to fill two spots at least and i guess they might give a couple more days if they just let greg play out the 10 day get at least a little more time depending on i mean the trade's going to be finalized today so maybe you only have to fill one spot. I don't know exactly how that works, but I would imagine we're going to see some 10 days at first unless those enticing names come available early. We don't know. That's the other thing. The timing of this is, you know, they guys have to be waived by, I think it's Friday, March 1st this year to be playoff eligible. So that's the end of the buyout window. But, I mean, could Eric Bledsoe get waived today? Yes, that that's possible. We just don't know. So I think you know maybe they get one guy relatively early. Would not surprise me at all though to see some some guys get ten day shots, and those could be more or less auditions too. I mean, you the Akite at, back. Who put that in chat? Sammy in chat. He's in. He's in there, of course. It's a, a dedicated listener. Um, I Diakite again. I, I think I'll, you want to try. I just want to win forward. the bet. Is he gonna be like a water boy or something? <laughs> He need whatever water boy just need to score twenty points in a game. He's two way eligible, <laughs> um, but I think a forward. And I think your best case is like the Stanley Johnson thing, right? Like as much as we clown the Lakers, Stanley Johnson is like actually useful there. He was like the second best player on Tuesday night. I'll tell you that yeah, much. Four bucks, Stanley Johnson for a day. Yeah. Oh yeah, <laughs> yeah. Um, he, I wish they could find a way to bring him home, man. Um, But someone like that. So maybe we just see some guys who are actually already available get shots as the Bucks play out the buyout market. But I don't think they're going to have these both spots firmed by the two-week mark necessarily. It would not shock me if they just tried to buy some time with 10 days and and maybe converting Mamu at some point. I was going to say, like, that honestly might lead to them doing another second second 10-day contract with Moose just to tie it over the time with it. I don't know. Um, we'll see. I can't remember what days he actually signed. That was like last Saturday, right? For the yes. Blazers game. So I guess they don't need it until like Tuesday. Either way, like they're going to be buyout players. They have yeah more than enough roster spots to kind of convince not just one guy, but two. Um, Kenrich Williams is staying put in OKC tie, by the way. As is Mike Muscala. Heartbroken. I- Heartbroken. Would have been really would have been a really nice way to round out the deadline, man. I do think that's well. Actually, let's pose the question. So we'll put aside the bigs for now. I think they're finally pretty sorted there, at least for the time being. Do you want to see a scoring guard or whatever you want to call Dante or the power forward more for what? What should the Bucks prioritize? I think the guards are more out there in the buyout market, which is why I was hoping they'd swing Kenny Hustle or some sort of trade before before the uh, deadline. But uh, what what do you think is the bigger need, not looking at what's more likely to actually happen? I think the bigger need is probably forward because forward. they just they don't have anyone now. <laughs> like even your backup guys like Rodney Hood and your break glass in case of emergency and Shemi Ojale, those guys are gone. You don't have anyone <laughs> anymore. You need to, you need to find you, someone. To of all people, them. get through end of the bench forwards without giving Thanasis some respect. I'm saying those two are gone. Thanasis is on the team. Then, then, then who's worried about Chevy if he's gone? If Thanasis is on the team, what? I think that's. I think he had taken the break glass in case. Ty is making the case that you know 
they don't need anything. No, or, no, or this is no, no. Okay, let me no, let me. I don't no. want to put words in your mouth. Ty is making the case that you should feel like they don't no, need anything no. because they've still got the yeah, Kind of that, closer to that, closer yeah. to that. I, I think waving hood, you lose a guy. Waving Shemi, you lose. Av- I think Thanasis had supplanted his fifteenth spot in the rotation. Guy wasn't a Fair. real point. Go on. Fair. Yeah, but like. You, you do have guards on the roster. George Hill is not currently playing for the team. Get well soon, George. But uh, he's still a very, very good backup point guard. And when it comes to playoff time, you, you, don't, need, you don't need like a third string point guard, you know? I mean, sure, it's always nice to have more ball handlers than less. I mean, just look at last season's playoffs. Like Jeff Teague is playing a bunch of minutes. And we did get the Jeff C game, as Adam predicted. But you don't want to be in that situation again. And as things are shaping up with the roster right now, it doesn't look like they necessarily will be. But one thing they'll be without is forward depth. Yeah, and it's it's more wing forward to me now than yes. it was before Ibaka because obviously if we're going to hope Brooke is back, then you've got kind of combinations that could be awkward or they could work really well. We'll see what they look like in practice. But when you're going to have Bobby, you're going to have Serge, you're going to have Giannis, you're going to have Brooke. Like there's going to be some, dare I say, big ball. Could there be... Could there be some big ball possibilities in there? Could Bud have some fun doing some stuff? Oh, wait, this is not a big baller brand. No, 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 not big baller. No, you know. (laughs) I saw a big baller brand sweatshirt at an establishment in Oshkosh, Wisconsin last night, and I was stunned. Those are still out in the wild. What, what, where, where were you? (laughs) Why did you say an establishment? Oh, no, a restaurant. (laughs) Okay. I don't need my my day to day haunts out there, public consumption. That's. (laughs) When we launch a Patreon, maybe maybe we'll drop that info there. Or or not as so people can flock, eat where ties. Yeah, so it's not exactly. gonna be like no, just, just establishment was fun. I I like to be vague sometimes. Um I, I totally I totally lost my point now because of this. Um, big baller bread. Yeah. Well, I just think like it would if they have someone I think it's more a small forward with size is what you're looking for now. You know, it's yeah. You want some of the versatility that maybe if Hood could have worked out or was the player that he was before his injury, that you might have got there where it's like, okay, there is a range of what could be done here. I think that would be a good way to look at it. Because even, I mean, I I feel pretty confident they will get a guard, but you've got Drew, you've got George. And as we saw last year, like Chris and Giannis are going to do a ton of ball handling when it matters anyway. So it's, it's not the most pressing need. It's, it's not something that I think they really have to kind of tie themselves up in knots about. They would be in a slightly different spot, though, if there was a couple of injuries to their depth pieces, kind of a, let's say if Pat got injured, just what, what that would do for your, your wing forward rotation off the bench. It's not ideal. You just have kind of Wes Matthews and he'd be playing up. So as, as Pat kind of is, although he's maybe even more, like it, those guys, they can play. They can play some minutes as forwards. They, they've you've got to touch it out there. But I do think kind of just a true wing forward would be a helpful addition. But I, I would expect both a point guard and a wing forward if if they're going to actually go and treat these two roster spots like real things. Which, as I kind of said to lead off, they're like you can see kind of a logical ten man rotation there they may not use these spots in a kind of this is what we need for the playoffs way at all. And they may not have that option depending what opens up there. Like it could be that they have to fill these spots. There's not someone they like to help them. And it's like, okay, well, we've got to get someone 
maybe there's someone that they like in the G League and they take a flyer on or that kind of like it's Bring possible. Yeah, that, that could be fun. I do think, especially in the short term, a herd guy or two getting a 10 day is very possible with the Bucks because yeah. they're just going to have to fill some spots here. Um, they also they they have a lengthy like break after tonight's game. They're off Friday, Saturday, Sunday. Depending, I mean, I'm not expecting you know a buyout to initiate and then have someone come to Milwaukee in that time. But sometimes these, I mean, Marvin Williams a couple of years ago that happened pretty fast. Um, so. And that happened pretty close to after the trade deadline, like after the deadline passed too. So if I memory serves, so who knows? Dale in the YouTube chat has the answer. He says Ursan is coming back, boys. And yeah, what? Let's do it. Ursan um, Muscala. If Eric Bledsoe is coming back, if Eric Bledsoe, if if seriously, if he can come back, I think the least that could be done for me is that Ursan comes back again. Yeah. No, I agree. But like, just just to talk about Bledsoe quick again, I'd I'd like it. I'm a big Bledsoe guy. I it it just it, it'd be truly getting the band back together. Keep Moose, you know. Just <laughs> um, ride if you it. can't find better options, like, it, and it does depend on what happens at the bio. Like, they're they're guys that the chemistry is good, and this is to my larger point. It's like don't mess with the things that really matter. Like the top end of your roster is not going to be overhauled. And I, I, are we all in agreement on that as much as like they need something like, or they could look to get something is they're not going to find someone on the buyout market. Who's going to completely overhaul their playoff rotation. No. So it's be careful what you're doing there. It's like, if it's better, just have a couple of vibes guys that everyone likes cool like if that's yeah, how they decide also, to, to do it like that, that's fine has been a good backup point guard in la this season like he's been good uh, they just need so more like, production what's the, on worst, the bench. worst case scenario i think yeah they just need more production and surge will help a little bit but i just think they're going to need some more do points we, do we i mean the trade is still not official so maybe there's addendums <laughs> made i'm not saying that i'm not saying that they're going to add like a Major piece, right there. You're saying someone's got to take those two second rounders off the books? No, no. Dante's got to be back. No, uh, no, 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 no. Uh oh. Um, do they start? Does Serge Ibaka come in and start? Do they? Is, I don't think so. Be, I, don't I don't think so either. No, I think Brooke will. I know this is a topic. I mean, it's it's, the, it's a cold world out there, but fair. Brooke will start. One hundred percent. Brooke will start. Yeah. No, and people have asked because Bobby has played yes. so well. <laughs> But I th- I don't think Surge starts. I think you I think Brooke will start. I think until then Bobby's gonna be they're gonna be the starter. Well we'll see when I mean I know everything it's if Brooke comes back, it's the biggest addition that they can make at yeah. the deadline. Very yeah. true. 100%. But I'm still scared as hell. Like yeah. what is I mean, yeah, you know I mean like I know there's the autism is steadily progressing, but it's still we thought this early November and then yeah, look at where we are now. It, it forced this kind of move to happen today. Yeah. So the I, current I, speculation is like March-ish, right? I, mean, I, don't, I didn't see a date. Guessing. They're not putting out anything. I'm yeah. saying speculation. Speculation. Yeah. 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 If, if they want him to get regular season games in, it would have to be March. I think there's there's kind of just in looking at what is out there, which is not specifics, there's reason to feel like He's close in a relative sense. I'm not saying like he's day to day, but he is close. Like he's he's back with the team. He's traveling with the team. Obviously, 
they they went, oh no, that was just you know his doctors in LA. So that made sense. It'll be interesting to see if he continues to travel with the team. He's yes. doing some on court work. So you come the other side of All Star, you're moving closer. Like I would be very surprised if he's if he's not back in the mix within three to four weeks. Because you've you've got to you're coming to for your your plans. You've got to do that if you're planning on being yeah a key part of what you're doing in the playoffs. Somebody asked a while back, I think it was Sammy, and I missed it um, about you know could they sign players waived after March one to a different kind of deal? You can sign those players to whatever deal you want, but they're not playoff eligible no matter what. If they're on a different roster after. Well, they have to be waived by March 1. It's like March 4 or something. But that that's the rule. So anyone who's not waived by that buyout deadline, they're on another roster. Then they get cut. They're just not playoff eligible anymore. So you can sign them, but they just can't help you in the playoffs. So the Bucks obviously would not look to target anyone fitting that description. Um, I know Mikhail would like us to rate the trade deadline from 1 to 10. 10 being the best and 1 being the worst. Who wants to go first? Are we are we talking bucks or just overall? I think bucks. I would imagine. We could yeah, we could split it. Yeah. I'd say overall, it's probably an eight. Like just in terms of being a fun trade deadline. Yeah, I was gonna say seven plus plus yeah. impact on the bucks. I, I think it's yeah. a nine. I think overall, it's a nine or it's like it's a good trade really? deadline. I, there's one blockbuster. Like you don't get a trade this big generally, but I, I think otherwise it's been pretty. But we still had CJ McCollum and CJ McCollum. That's the bonus. Like those. That was pretty wild too. Mm. But those those guys. Tyrese Halliburton. CJ McCollum's not moving the needle. Okay, nine, nine, nine. Uh, I would say more about nine. Nine. I'm sticking with seven. I might go to six if you guys keep saying nine. <laughs> uh, for the books, I, it's kind of. TBD right now, right? It's like you gotta see what they do with buyout stuff. Right now, I'm at like a six. Yeah, I, I and I I say that while liking yeah the move, but it's kind of incomplete until we see not even who they get, but just what their talk process is. Like, it, so part of that's gonna be who becomes available too. I go eight. Yeah. Oh, really? A big fan? Or are you just it's an easy grader now? This was never the way when you did post game grades back in your blogging days. <laughs> That's true. <laughs> um, they got a rotation piece. They kind of simplified their depth chart. They got more flexibility, which, you know, if you want to make future moves, you needed something to kind of grease the wheels a little bit. They got assets. Yeah. They yeah. got assets. Like, I, I do agree. It does depend on what they do in buyout stuff and who becomes available, who comes their way, and how they imp- impact their rotation further. But, Considering where I was with Dante and just kind of what I felt like where they a deal could be done, yeah, I, I, I'm at least content with where they are after you know the deadline passes. Rohan, I don't know. I mean, I think it's I think it's good. I think yeah. it's very good. And uh, I don't I don't know what else I can add. I'm gonna. Well, what's your? You you always ask for score predictions. You're going to give us a number out of ten, Rohan. I don't know. I don't know why you guys keep asking me to do this. It's just pointless. I hate this exercise. <laughs> see, do you see? Do you see how I sound? Do you see how I sound? You sound like me. You sound like a wise man. <laughs> okay, then I'm not giving. Okay, fine. Uh, I'll give it. I'll give it an eight. I'll give it. An oh, eight. I'm going like six or seven. I needed. I wanted them to take back two players total in the trade. Just because the buyout market can be so unreliable, I would have liked them to get somebody else back, just given how thin the rotation has been at times. But I do think overall, 
like a good move. And I, I saw early, like that's all we're getting for Dante. I just, I would rather have what they got than like a bad first and nothing or like another bad player coming back. Like I, I think it's, it's a fine return. I, for all the buzz about Dante, I just can't imagine the league-wide value was that high given that he's expiring anyway and he's not been good this season. If they were dealing from a position of strength and they didn't have to worry about Brooks recovery and all that stuff, I would have been a little salty, but I would understand the process of maybe if Dante fetched a first-round pick from some team that really liked him, I'd have been, okay, I understand it. Like, that's, yeah, you know I mean, like, it takes away from your team now. And as we have established, he was kind of, you know, an ancillary piece to begin with. Like, but the fact that they did, how they structured the moves the way that they did and got more flexibility and Abaka, who, you know, at least gives them a backup big, a true backup big, as we have talked about a lot <laughs> with Brooke being yeah. out. Like that, it just kind of, I don't know, it all makes sense to me in that sense. If you had to bet, one last thing before we get rolling here, because I know we're, we're running on time. If you had to bet on one of these buyout guys coming to the Bucks, which one are you most confident is going to be a Milwaukee? And we don't know who's actually getting waived yet, but out of the buyout options, who are you? You know what? Actually, let's draft them. Ooh. I'll take the last pick since it was my idea. Let's go Let's go like a snake. Like So Jordan, Adam, Rohan, me. Sorry, Rohan. Okay. I- I'll go Gary Harris. Dennis Schroeder. Oh, what? But you hate what? it. What? Do you yeah, I, it doesn't mean I don't think the books will do it. Oh, my God. But what about I would have gone first with, with Schroeder, to be honest. I, I don't I, – I think there may just be a desire to be like <laughs> – it's not going to be the greatest bunch. Like, we've already established that, that they might be like, okay, he's the guy to go for. I think he's not. It would be a bad decision. But I'm not entirely sure that they won't do that. I do quickly on that. I do think it was all Boston reporting on that trade, and I think oh, clearly, I hope there so. Was everybody, so everybody under the Celtics had yeah. all the information, had all the developments. Yeah, like it was like nonstop. I'm like, okay, no, just, just the fact that there was information. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. I mean, look at the surge; it came out of nowhere. That's that is how it goes with the Bucks. And I, my read on that whole thing now is like Boston was like, "Hey, Schroeder for Dante," and the Bucks were like, "Give us Grant Williams or no." And Boston was like, no, how about a second round pick? And it just didn't happen. But I hope not. But Adam, I, I like the, the call. Rohan with the third overall pick. Dragic. We're doing 10 rounds. So everyone get, get lists oh, of free agents. <laughs> I'm, I'm, I got a steal. I would have taken Bledsoe first. And I got Bledsoe uh, with the fourth pick. I do think it's I think it makes a lot of sense. I do think it's going to happen. But is there anything else? Or have we covered the, the trade deadline? At least for now. I, We're going to have more content. I, I think... I think I the books are going to the finals. Are that's what I think. Wait, what? Yeah, I think. Yeah, so the, I think the books are going to the finals. That's I thought my, you said not. Uh, you no, I think they are. Oh that's, my god, that's a bomb. No, again. that's my trade deadline. What's the bomb. What's the East Finals? What's the East Finals after today? I, it's too tough because the it's a mess for so seeding. Yeah, yeah, that's true. I think it's. I, I think book Sixers are the two best teams, but whether they end up on different sides of the bracket is a completely different question. Bucks, I think that there's a shot. Bucks Nets. The, there's a shot that the Bucks, like the team that finishes second, gets Brooklyn in the first round. I think that's actually on the table. That's ridiculous. Like the playoff there's a team game, who finishes first. I was gonna say. Also, did the Nets not make the playoffs this year? No, they can't unless they lose yeah. in the play-in. 
Yeah, I think they'll unless, be in the play unless they lose twice in the play. Unless well, Christoph Porzingis, like the whatever the Wizards are now. If I, if you ask me to name five Wizards now, I would not be able to. I can't, do it. I can't believe Christoph Porzingis is on the Wizards. Wow, <laughs> deadline. That's what a, a weird deadline. team. To, just, it's just a weird franchise. They've got that guy who I said is the most an NBA player has ever looked like me. That's like all of the Wizards I can remember. Corey Kispert. That's him. Yeah. Yep. Yeah. Corey Kispert. Um, yeah. I think. Uh, I think we've pretty much covered it here. Uh, thank you, everyone who joined us live. If you're listening as a podcast or just as a vod, thank you for tuning in as well. Uh, make sure you subscribe to the YouTube channel so you don't miss out on things like this in the future. Make sure you subscribe on your podcast platform. Try to subscribe to the Substack, gspn.substack.com. I already, I already mentioned subscribe to this YouTube channel. Uh, pod random, go Bucks. We'll talk to you next time. Everyone is talking about magnesium. It's all you hear about. But why? What do we know about magnesium? Well, magnesium is the number one mineral that 75% of Americans are deficient in. If you are a woman over 35, magnesium will help you rediscover balance, energy, and vitality. Magnesium supports more than 300 enzymatic reactions in your body, including those involved in hormonal balance. From functional medicine doctors to mental well-being and female hormone experts, we all know that magnesium is the one mineral to improve all aspects of well-being and health. But which one? Magnesium Breakthrough from Bioptimizers. The trusted choice recommended by leading experts with seven best-absorbed forms of magnesium to ensure your body receives the support it needs for overall well-being. Go to bioptimizers.com slash balance today and use code BALANCE10 for 10% off. Support your journey to wellness at B-I-O-P-T-I-M-I-Z-E-R-S dot com forward slash balance. Magnesium Breakthrough from Bioptimizers, your foundation to optimal health and vitality.